I was saying that I turned on one of your YouTube uh, videos because I was like, I think you say his last name, Floorhog, but I was like, that's probably not right. Yes. And then no, I... it, it's it's every every show I've ever done in my whole life. The MC's like, um, <laughs> and I'm like, it's exactly how you don't want to say it. <laughs> Why we're having this conversation? That is my last name. Every single time. Oh, hi, you're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I'd like to welcome our guest comic and actor, Josh Floorhog. Remember the kid you picked on in high school? Well, he's back and has a microphone. That's Josh. Josh has been making waves in the comedy world since he started. He was named Best New Comic in the Minnesota Comedy Awards in 2012. Josh was also the winner of the 2017, oh boy, Sisyphus Brewery Funniest Person in Minneapolis. I love that it is called Sisyphus Brewery. I copy-pasted this bio and that is, I have questions. But let's get back to Josh. Josh has been seen on NBC, Showtime, The Weather Channel, Amazon Prime. I can't keep listing all of the places where you can see Josh. You can also find him on, shockingly, YouTube. So Josh, thank you so much for being here. What made you want to get into comedy? How often do people bug you about your famous family members? Do you always hook up poor new comics with deals at your bar? Tell us all of the things. This is so weird because I have a famous comedian family member. The thing that got me into comedy, I always just answer this real quick. It was obviously my uncle is Louis Anderson. That was one of them. Also, when I was a kid, we made it a point every Friday, my mom would order pizza and we'd watch Comedy Central Friday Night Stand Up. So all the Comedy Central half hours from the late 90s and early 2000s, that was our thing. So Louis was a whole separate entity, but like also I was into like the young, cool comedy, not what my uncle was doing, like Dane Cook, Pat Oswald, um, Nick Schwartzen, all of those guys. Was your mom a fan because of your uncle or was she just like, comedy is for me, I'm gonna get you into this? I think a little bit of both because my mom's still a giant comedy fan. My mom listens to comedy podcasts. My mom watches everybody's stand-up special. It's what we talk about when we talk. So besides me doing it, she's just a giant comedy fan. She got all of us to be. Did she, so well, was, was that influence and that connection to her part of what drew you to it or were you just like born telling jokes? I kind of like my bio says I was always picked on. I was a cheerleader in high school. I was always a very silly kid. And then I just loved it so much. I, I went to college in Arizona. I used to go to the Tempe Improv all the time. It was just something I wanted to try. I was like, I'm going to try this. I found an open mic list in Minneapolis. Um, the guy I hit up, his open mic was a showcase and it also was a contest. So the best set of the night got a $20 bar tab. So like any new comic, I invited everybody I knew out to this crappy bar in the middle of, in Minneapolis that no one was at to watch. I brought like 80% of the people and I obviously won because that's how that works. And then it turned in from something I just wanted to try to where I was like, I'm going to keep doing this. So and then now, 10 years later, I'm in L.A. 
you're describing what I know to be dangerous, that for comics, if you crush the very first time you have an audience, then it sort of warps your brain where you think, oh, this will be every time going forward. And then if you eat shit after that, a lot of comics are like, no, I hate this forever. So did you know going in, look, I stacked the audience. The next time I do this may not be as flawless. No, to answer the question, um, luckily I came up in Minneapolis that has a very good stand-up comedy scene. I won that $20 and then all the comics that were on that show told me I was funny and they're like, do you want to go to this later open mic? And I only had that same four minutes and then I did it again and it ate complete shit. So I learned in the first night I did comedy, I did two sets, the exact same and they went completely different. Isn't that wild? I, mean, I got some laughs the second time and then I was like, oh, you have to work for this. So it, <laughs> it humbled me right away. So I was in because I won the contest and then I was like, I did bad and I was like, well, how do I do good every time? Mm. And then it kind of uh, created that hunger. How do you do a good job every time? Do you have like a um, formula? I wish there was a way Thank to you. do good every time. Thank I don't you. know. Every time I have a good streak of like, because I've been on the road a lot, I have a good streak of sets. I'm like, man, this is going to get bad real fast. And I start looking at the calendar and I'm like, where is it? There's a bomb in there because there's always a bomb. There's there has always to be. a bomb in there. Yeah. And I just look at the calendar. I'm like, just look at it. I'm like, where is it? Is it going to be here? Am I going to drive for seven hours to just eat shit, get a paycheck and have to drive back home and contemplate quitting this and becoming the manager of a red lobster? <laughs> My fallback. It's been my fallback plan since I started coming is to be a red lobster manager if this doesn't work. Is that because of their cheddar biscuits or is that just because it you... is because they're cheddar biscuits. Weirdly enough, my first job I ever had was making those cheddar biscuits. Okay, don't tell us more in this yeah. section. We gonna get there. We'll I made get, a note. We'll get back we'll, to that. Yep. But the mm -hmm. com we're talking about the comedy. Yeah. And um yeah. Uh kept doing it, kept doing it all the time. And then four months in, I emceed at a wine bar in La Crosse, Wisconsin. I did a clean set. And the booker came up to me, not knowing that my famous uncle was Louis Anderson. He said, I am booking a summer festival. I don't have any money to pay you. I can give you $20 for the set and buy you some food. But would you like to MC for the Louis Anderson? Fuck off. You are lying right now. That's not a true story. That's a 100% true story. I'll let you call the two comics that brought me out to MC for them. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, yeah, I'd love to. So that's how I met Louis. Because Louis is my great uncle. He was famous by the time I was born. I had uh, went and seen him once when I was a little kid. Um, I went to California once and I got to go to a taping of um, Family Feud. But like we didn't know each other. He knew how I was related to him, but we didn't. He wasn't like, oh, my gosh, Josh exists. So when the comic came up to you or the booker came up to you and said, I want you to do this festival and open for Louie, did you then say, oh my gosh, that's my great uncle? Or were you just like, cool, yes. no problem? You did. Yes. Okay. I, did. I was like, that's my great uncle. And he goes, what? And, and he goes, oh, should I tell him? And I'm like, he does not know who I am. That's not going to matter at all. Wow. So did you and meet then him I, then? Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had texted him a couple days before. Um, I got his number through my grandma and I texted him and I said, hey, you're in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And he said, absolutely. How many tickets would you like? And I said, I'm MC. And he said, call me right now. Because oh. he was like, how did that happen? And then I told him the story. And he said, that's amazing. I'm very happy for you. And then we met in person. I asked him, I said, will you watch my set? And he said, absolutely not. Why? And I said, why? And he's like, how long have you been doing this? And I'm like, six months. And he's like, I have no interest in watching that then. And I was like, why? He's like, well, right now I'm really into mentoring people. And he goes, you're so new. And um, my advice is so 
beyond where you're at. I want you to just have fun with comedy and keep learning who you are on stage and stuff like that. There shouldn't be a time for me to be super hard on you. This should be you kind of finding your footing. And I don't like stuff like that. I'm very hard on myself. So I was like, no, watch my set. I want all of it. I want all of it. And then he made me shake on it and sign a piece of paper that said I wouldn't get mad if he wrote what he wrote. And I went on, I did my set, I got off stage. This is gonna get even more touching. And he threw the notebook he was sitting behind the curtain of the theater at at me. And I grabbed it and I was flipping through it. I couldn't find anything. And I go, there's nothing written. He goes, holy shit, you're actually really good at this. He goes, you just have to slow down. Oh my God, that makes me want to and cry then I right didn't, And then I didn't slow down for two more years and he was mean to me every show. <laughs> I remember once I got off stage and he goes, did you do a bunch of coke before this? And I go, no. He goes, that's what the crowd thinks. And then he just walked on stage. He would just say something super backhanded to me and then let me sit on it for his whole hour and 10 minutes set. Like once he was like, he was like, I know I only gave you 10 minutes. You didn't have to do 15. Hey guys, how are you doing? And then he walked on He's like, you were in the light and you don't get to do that even for me. Holy shit. Oh, no, I didn't run the light. I just talked so fast that I did that amount of time in that under month. Oh, my God. I ran the light by two minutes once in a 20 minute set. And he came on stage because I mean, I worked with him for years. He came on the stage and we'd always hug. And then he'd, he'd say who I was to him and he'd talk about me and then go into a set. But he'd always hug me and he'd always tell me something real quick in my ear. And I hugged him and he went, that felt kind of like 21 and a half, maybe 22, right? <laughs> and I was, an I, was like, I was having a good set. He goes, yeah, take all the time you want. This is your show, right? Other people came to see you. He was just so smart. He was way too good for, for everything. Oh, bless the, him. I'll tell you this last uh, Louis Please, story of us working together. Um, so I obviously I started working from right when I started comedy, but about two to three years in, I started going on the road a lot. I was featuring all across the country for just, you know, bar shows, small clubs, just for people in the Midwest, like local regional favorites, stuff like that. Yeah. So I had gotten like really good at comedy or I felt I got really good at comedy. So he let me do his New Year's show and he gave me a lot of time because he saw that I was on the road a lot. And he's like, you can do 15 minutes. At my New Year's show. He does New Year's in Minneapolis every year, 1,500-person theater, two shows. They sell out right away. They're just packed, stacked crowds on New Year's. These are like the best shows in the world. I've, I did it once before. I had a pretty okay set. But this time, I had been on the road all year. So I'm like, I got this. I went out, and I got four applause breaks in 15 minutes. I just murdered. And the whole time in my head, I'm like, there's nothing he can say when I bring him out. It's just like a vengeance. Since I'm like, there's nothing. And then I gave him a hug. And I swear, this is what he said. I am elated. I had just burned this theater to the ground. I gave him a hug. And he, and he just whispered in my ear. He goes, see what happens when you fucking listen to me? And then he just walked out on stage. And I was like, oh, he couldn't have just said good set. And then I walked into my dressing room. And my girlfriend was in there and she had been sitting with Louie and watching the set. And she's like, she gave me a kiss. She met me right at the curtain. She's like, holy shit, that's the best that I've ever seen you have. And I, I go, did you watch it with Louie? She goes, yeah. I go, what did Louie say? And she's like, the whole time, he just kept being like, he's listening to me. He fucking gets it. This is everything oh I told him. And I was like, so he just kept complimenting himself backstage <laughs> and couldn't just once say you're funny. <laughs> I love that so much. So did you, okay, so how, I have to know though, when you did that New Year's show, how far into comedy were you? I know you said you'd been on the road and stuff, but how many years in were you? Four or five. 
Okay. So do you feel yeah. like, is that how long it took for you to hit your stride where you're like, I have a voice. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's when I got into like really writing and really figuring out what I was doing. Um, obviously you worked at a comedy club for years. Um, stop trying to be like people and just figure out who I am. Stop trying to do what's cool at that time, which I think it was at the like the mid 2010s so that would have been like Jezelnik or Louis CK and stuff like that yeah. like really telling it like it is Be mean and angry and I'm just not that guy you're not I'm that very guy clean I'm very silly and I just really started to embrace that so are you a fully clean comic is that the only way you work no, um I can do both that's awesome that's a skill and I a can half. do both but I don't I don't um I don't know I do both that's so great. And so can you, yeah. do you book corporate and stuff or do you like, are you mostly just um, road comic? I, I book some, I do like three or four corporates a year. Look, that's not a bad way to make money. Yeah. I, mean, I think they're great money, but like, yeah, I mean, I do, I do a couple of years. I'd like to do more. It's just, I don't know. It's hard to get into. Mm -hmm. And I know it's a double edged sword. Once you start doing corporates, it's not as fun. Yeah. I have friends who just do corporates and they hate it. Well, it also kind of takes away your hunger is what I've seen because you are getting this like kind of big paycheck for not a ton of work and you kind of get to travel. you're not allowed to like be loose. up. You can't no. be loose at all. You have to be like joke, 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 joke. It all has to be this and then you're done. So you're not yeah. writing. You're not. No. Yeah. I could see you. It's kind of like, I'm trying to think of an equivalent, like for, it's just don't take away that hunger. It's like when a comic gets too rich and then you're like, yeah, no one yeah. can relate to you. This is, you're too disconnected. It's kind of that where I, yeah, I could see why, but if you can't pay your rent, get, get ready. I'm about to do a zoom. <laughs> like I, I get it. Oh, I did. I did. So, cause I lived with uh, Louis during the pandemic. I did so many corporate zooms. Did you do them like with him? Corporate what would you do them no, with him? I would never. Oh. He never, <laughs> never, never. He did that rush tick special online, and that was it. He watched me do Zoom shows. He like would want to, and then I'd have. I did a bunch of core. I did these. Tw I would do twenty minutes for like eighty to hundred bucks because they they'd want longer, and I'd just be like, no. And they're like, we'll give you more money, and I'd be like, no, I'll do this. So he'd watch me do it, and then every time he'd be like, nope, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> All it took was watching you have to like suffer. Like he would sit in, like I'd have my computer placed and he'd be just sitting right behind it and he'd be like, this is fucking miserable. What a dick. How did you? He's like, oh my God, there's no fun way to do this, right? Because no. he was like, well, I'll watch yours and then I'll see if there's a way I could create it so it's fun. <laughs> and I was like, all right. And he watched, he's like, there's no way to make this fun or good. Oh my god. He's gosh. like, I get why you're doing 20 minutes. These people don't want to be here at all. So... <laughs> <laughs> so much I'm dying so the rate I didn't even get to tell the audience so the way that Josh and I met was I was doing like it was I don't know if it was like my second or third open mic ever and I was just I was so in so much like emotional turmoil because I didn't want to do it and I went into where Josh also bartends and I was just like I don't know I'm just gonna eat something and write jokes and I think I had a comedy store shirt on or something and you made a comment you did or a sticker on your notebook oh that's right one of the two yeah, yeah. and you were like oh you were really kind and you were like oh it's like I think I don't even think you said are you a comic you said something with the comedy store or something like that and I was like I just started pouring on you like you were a therapist I was like I'm so scared I'm bad at this I don't want to do it and you were like okay it's okay <laughs> like you were so gentle with me and then you came back with all these recommendations and then you discounted my bill and I was like this is comedy everyone's nice and comedy and then that everybody is nice and comedy yeah uh -huh, until nice five minutes comedy. later and then I was like oh no 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 Josh is very much an exception 
do this rule. But I was That's very. That's what I've been riding on. That was really? one of Louis' biggest advice. He's like, you think I'm a good actor or good looking or funnier than anybody? No, but if you're the nicest person, everybody will give you work. Poor and we're just him. like him and me. We're just both genuinely nice people. Mm-hmm. He's like, just don't get mean ever. Yeah. He's like, just keep being you forever and don't think it's cool to be mean and you'll get work. I mean, it's so, so it's so true. And I think like, yeah. you know, someone like George Lopez, who has a reputation for just being horrific. I don't mind naming it because the number of people that have told me he's a nightmare to work with. And I just met someone while we were striking who was like, oh, yeah, like I was part of the Lopez show. Uh, he's a nightmare. And he just started like dubbing. He was like, you know, when you become famous, like the worst parts about you get amplified and so do the best. And if you're already a dick, like fame's going to make you worse. And he was like, Lopez has this thought of like, I'm not helping anybody because I had to climb my way through hell to get here so that's what you know everybody else should have to pay their dues and i was like that's that sounds like a fun energy to be around that's all the, the time worst the worst way to look at stuff it's the worst way to live why why not help yeah. people like i i don't yeah. i don't get it okay so josh so get us up to today so you are you're gonna be out and about in minneapolis again uh you go out a yeah, lot doing- so go ahead yeah, I uh, I never like paying for things. This is the cool <laughs> part about comedy is you can be it. It's my mom's birthday, October twenty sixth, so I'll be at the Courtyard of Andover, October twenty seventh, and then I will be somewhere in the Duluth area, October twenty eighth, because I wanted to come to Minnesota for my mom's birthday. So I made sure that my plane ticket and all my expenses would have been covered with comedy pay. <laughs> Wait, that's brilliant. Don't make yourself sound uh, stupid. That's brilliant. I love that. I know. I got a I got a list of dates from this booker who was like, Hey, I'm putting together my fall. Do you are you planned on coming back home? And then I saw that weekend and I was like, Boom, come back home for my mom's birthday. It's right before it snows and my mom will feel like I love her. <laughs> you tricked your mom. What a gift. And you know what? She's not coming to either show. <laughs> Why? She has to work. Oh, that's such a bummer. For us. My mom has only seen me twice. My mom saw me once with Louie in Arizona because she lived in Arizona and I bombed so hard. The crowd was so old. They hated me so much. <laughs> they, were, they were so old. I knew I was going to do bad <laughs> Just before knew. I got there, before <laughs> I got there. And then she came to my laugh after dark taping. So she got to see me do really good once. Oh, I love that. I love that she's only seen you twice and you've been doing this for not five minutes. Like, wow. Okay. She lived in Arizona when I lived in Minneapolis. And then, um, you know. Yeah. Well, it happens. We've never lived in the same state since I've been an adult. So. Oh, damn. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'll do it. Uh, okay, well, so you are you're gonna be out there. Uh, people, I'm gonna put a link to all of your stuff in the show notes and everything. Yeah, I got a bunch of stuff in LA. I'm around here a bunch. I'm at the rec room uh, this weekend. I'm I'm all over the place. Okay, amazing. Um, well, it's good you got a free trip for your mom's birthday to show her how much you sort of love her. That's really yeah. lovely. Um, well, I before love my mom. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Minnesota mm-hmm. for my mom. All expenses paid. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Before we get out of this section, I just want you, if you're comfortable sharing, should a really touching moment that you had with Louis towards the end. Um, and I don't know if you're comfortable sharing that, but uh, I just think it's like that man was lovely and kind until the very end. And I think, um, I think it's easy for people. Which, to, oh God. Which moment do you want me to share of him at the end? The time we were mean to a girl? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Share that. I'll show. I'll show the time we made a, a girl cry the day before Louis died. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I need to stop sharing this story. The story's so funny though. He he was passing away. Whatever he was sick and he wanted to die at home originally. So we're like he had a hospice nurse there, 
and hospice nurses are not there's hospice nurses and then hospice caretakers hospice caretakers are just there to do your dishes and do your laundry and to make sure you don't die that's it so that lady was there and then like most of my family was there like immediate there's like five or six of us in louis house and we were all just kind of taking turns going in there chatting with him or just holding his hand while he slept just very beautiful sweet stuff and I went in there, and when I went in there, like, he still would pull it together to fuck around. And so I went in there, and I guess he he tricked the, the assistant girl into clipping his fingernails, which they're not supposed to do, I guess. But I go in there, and she's, like, studying, and, and Louie goes, she clipped my nails too short. Like, he pulled off his oxygen mask, he could barely talk. And I go, oh, man, they're probably going to have to take your hand. Then he goes, they're probably going to have to take my arm. And then at this point, she starts freaking out. She wasn't supposed to, like, clip his nail. She's like, I'm so sorry, Mr. Anderson asked me. And I just looked her in the face and I go, he was fine before you clipped his fingernails. And he just pulled off his oxygen mask and went, Josh, I think I'm going to die because of this. You guys are so mean. (laughs) And she started bawling. And then my grandma yelled at me. (laughs) And my grandma was like, what are you guys doing? Your grandma should have yelled at you. That's terrible. This poor girl quit the next day. She went to her office. She's, she's like, like, I can't. She's like, I don't care if my brother's dying. I'm going to yell at him too. She goes there. She goes, Louie, what are you doing? And he's just in there laughing. Like he can't even breathe. He's like hyperventilating. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> Bless him. What a way to go. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like that story. Bits. Bits forever. This is the thing that's relentlessly irritating about groups of comics, but is also the most fun shit of all time is just it's unrelenting. Like there is no pause button. If you said to a group of comics like, yo, just not tonight. Like I just, you know, my dad, my mom, my brother, they all got killed in a plane crash today. I'm just like trying to power through like, please just don't give me a hard time tonight. You would get piled on so much harder just because you had three dead family members that it's like. I would wait like 10 minutes. So it's totally, (laughs) I already have this this thought of like once you said, I'm like, what could I say? I'd wait till it's really silent, and I'd be, and I would just be like, "Sid, you get their airline miles." <laughs> <laughs> so did Delta give you a voucher for that, or like? Uh, it is so <laughs> sick. Like I started, my my dad is dead, and I make jokes about my ghost dad a lot. And I was back with my high school girlfriends who like walked me through that terrible time. And I was like, "Listen, if you're gonna something something, my ghost dad or blah blah blah," because I was just so used to saying it their faces they were like oh uh, and they didn't know how to touch it and i was like it's okay i made the joke it's okay and i was like oh right comics are unhinged unwell people you can't just be that way with everybody because people get offended Mm -hmm. it's not oh my family was so mad at me because i i went i was the one because i live in la and he lived in vegas so i was the one who's in charge of a lot of stuff Mm. like other people took care of it i just had to my job was to physically be at a lot of things so i went to go cremate him and it was just me and another and my cousin and I tweeted on the drive there. I wrote, I wrote going to cremate my mentor, father figure and best friend. And by cremate, I mean smoke at the famous Dave's barbecue right by his house as he requested. And so many of my family wrote me mean stuff. I was driving when I tweeted it. Um, I was driving, so I didn't get to read the responses on Facebook. And my mom called me 20 minutes later and she's like, what the hell did you tweet? And I told her, I go, why is it blowing up? (laughs) My first question, because again, I'm a comic and we were just so starved for entertainment. I was like, why is it going viral? Am I am I relevant? She was like, no, but so many people are mad at you. 
This is what my mom like got me. She follows Instagram and Twitter and all that. She's like, you're getting so much hate. And I'm like, I'm not taking it down. She goes, I know you're not. I just want you to know that you're in a very emotional state right now. I'm sure you're crying a lot. And I'm like, I've been crying the whole drive. And she's like, just don't angrily respond to all these people. That's the only thing I'm going to ask you. I'm not going to tell you not to tweet these super messed up things. For the record, I do think that that was crossing the line. But I'm not going to tell you not to do it. You guys grieve in your own way. You and Louie are screwed up people. (laughs) So she was like, so she was just like, just don't respond to people. You can tweet whatever you want, but don't start any, any Facebook fights with your family. (laughs) Tell me how many people did you, did you respond to? Uh, None. I didn't. I listened to my mom on that. I I was, I was too emotionally wrecked where I was just going to start writing mean stuff to my cousins who live in South Dakota, who don't get my version of joking and are trying to grieve in their way. I don't need to write eat shit. <laughs> I don't need to write eat shit to a seventy-five-year-old relative. I don't know. I mean, maybe you do. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to really bad, but my mom told me not to, and then I thought about it for a second, and I'm like, yeah, it's not going to solve not. anything. If it was a regular stranger, I would have done it. Yeah, but I don't need it to be like my aunt Pam. <laughs> Yeah, blood relatives. You're gonna have to see at Thanksgiving and be like, "I told you to eat shit." And they're like, "Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, I was there." <laughs> There's Josh who went to the cremation, so he can tweet whatever he wants. <laughs> what a hero! Were you shocked at how many bags of stuff they gave you? Like, did everybody thinks it comes in like just like an urn? Were you shocked at how it was not just an urn? Well, I knew it was going to be big. Louis was not a small man. This I is, knew it was going to be a lot. People don't realize that it's like, no, no, it's the full human body. It's very heavy. It's too, heavy. They put it in a big box. It's in a big moving box. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, were you there when they cremated the person you were with? No, I wasn't. They just put them in a cardboard refrigerator box. Shut the fuck up. You're lying. Yeah, because we did like, uh, me and my cousin, they, they were like, we were the first cremation of the morning. We were there at like four in the morning. So... They were like, oh, do you want to say goodbye and see the body one last time? And I guess my cousin agreed to that for us. Uh, I have a phobia of dead bodies, one. Yeah, who two, doesn't? Wasn't that scared? I loved Louis so much that it was fine. Yeah. But uh, he was just in a cardboard box. And and again, unhealthy, I looked at the <laughs> crematory here and I was like, man, this must have been one big refrigerator. <laughs> Did they laugh? They didn't laugh. They didn't no, know what to do. No, it was four in the morning. She's like, no, we just have cardboard. Like, and I was like, she's like, I'm not even giving you anything for a bit. Fuck you. We're I know. Here. My cousin just rolled his eyes at me. And I was like, <laughs> ew, whatever. comics are insufferable people. Yeah. It's I'm bad. not going to not do this. <laughs> okay. We can move on. <laughs> Thank you for sharing all of that. May he yeah. rest. I know a lot of people that worked with him and had only wonderful things to say about him. So, um, yeah, he was the best. Yeah. Um, that's cool. I hope he visits you when you're on stage and gives you a hard time. Cause that never and stops tells me to slow and tells me to slow down. You know how many that's, I got that text a lot. Cause he, he loved me and talked about me to so many people that like a lot of big comics were like, would, would just, especially at the comedy store 50 of a couple of people came up, pat me on the back and said, slow down into my ear. It was really sob. sweet. Oh, that a couple of them didn't know that Louie gave me that advice, but Louie gives everybody that advice. <laughs> He didn't even tailor it to you. That's his no. being a mentor. He just is like, slow down. It was just a mentoring <laughs> thing he did for everybody. <laughs> How special does that make you feel? What a jackass. It does. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. All right, folks, we hope you enjoy. Well, okay. So do you feel, we're going to give your socials and everything out at the end. So everybody listen to the yes. end. Okay. So we hope you enjoyed your apps. We're going to move on to the entrees after a quick break. We're back. 
Okay, now it's time for the entrees. Now, Josh, I know you listen to the show religiously. Thank you so much for all of your support and your DMs and like just every episode. I know you subscribe. I know you've rated. Like you've done it all. We really appreciate you over here. I do. Uh, so you already know this whole spiel, but you know we start with the same question every time and then we go down the list because people get annoyed if I don't. So the very first question we start with is what was your first job ever where the government was taking taxes out? Now, some people say like paper route, whatever. You say whatever was the first. My first job was, like I said earlier in this podcast, making Cheddar Bay Biscuits at the Red Lobster in Surprise, Arizona. S- Surprise is the name of the city? Or are you full, you're full of shit? Surprise is the name of the city. You're just a walking bit. Like, did you, you, there's, you have no other option than to be a comic. Like, the, nope. that's I, it. Yeah, I, I worked at the Red Lobster in Surprise, Arizona. I made the biscuits, and then I was the expo, or as a position I called Hot Food Go. My job was to put sauces on the plate, put them on the tray with the ticket, and then the server would come pick them up. Okay. I have 6,000 questions. How old were you when you did this job? Uh, 16. Might okay. have been 15. 15 or 16. I was, a, I was an early adopter of paid labor as well. Um, yeah. Okay. Why did you pick Red Lobster over all the probably myriad options you had for chain restaurants? Because Red Lobster is just a chain. Yep. It was, it was opening. <laughs> Surprise, Arizona, it, it's a suburb of Phoenix. It's right by Glendale where all the stadiums are. It's even more west of that. So it was being built when we moved out there. So everything was brand new. They were building a Red Lobster. I liked uh, their product. So I was like, I I like cooking. I like, I've always liked cooking. So I was like, I'm going to apply to work in the kitchen. Wow. Okay. And do you still like cooking? Even after that job? I still do. I went to culinary school. I have a bachelor's degree in hospitality and restaurant management from Le Cordon Bleu Schools in North America. We did it. I didn't know about this before I booked you. Uh, okay. Put a pin. I got, I'm writing all these notes. Put a pin in Le Cordon Bleu because I got questions. But okay. So I got answers. I love that. And debt. <laughs> I also I feel you. Okay. So you pick Red Lobster. How, what, how long was your tenure of just making biscuits? Because I feel like you would want to graduate to like sous chef or fry guy or whatever. Ooh, I moved everywhere. Man, they took advantage of me and my friend uh, Bayan. Bayan. He, he went to high school with me. Me and him both went to culinary school after that, but we both started in the kitchen. We were the only, uh, obviously, we all live in SoCal or the Southwest. Uh, kitchens are mainly uh, Latino guys. And they deserve wages, and high school kids do not. So they moved us all around that kitchen because we were totally cool minimum wage because we kept getting to do new stuff and learn new stuff, and that was so fun to us. Wow. Okay, so you you would move. Where did you did you would, was it considered like a promotion to get off of the expo line? Because expo's hard. It's hot. It's fast. It's yeah. repetitive. Like um, I, I went I went from uh, hot food go to biscuits. So I had both of those. It was mainly hot food go, and then I get to biscuits two days a week moved into the app line and then went from biscuits and salads to hot appetizers and morning prep on weekends. On weekdays, I would still just do biscuits at night because I had school. And then I moved onto the line. I did fryer first and then I did grill and then I did broil. And then I never, I never graduated to assembly. I started culinary school by that time. So, Wow. Okay. I, I try to, we've talked to other guests who have done not that level of just moving through the lines, but we've talked to other guests who have done fryer, which was worse doing the fryer, the grill or the boiler. There's nothing to compare. I worked fryer during, um, never ending shrimp. There's, and we, here's the deal with red lobster. Like red lobster is so fresh and I, I'm sure it's 
does so much damage on the environment. Environmentally, probably the worst decision a lobster has. But there's somebody like morning prep ham breads the shrimp every day and puts it on sheet pans. I remember just putting my arm against the sheet pan and just clearing it into the fryer and then just scooping shrimp out. I wasn't even counting shrimp or anything. I was just putting them in buckets and they're putting them on plates and sending them out. I was just doing that all day. It was one of the worst weekends of my life. Did you, you only lasted a weekend doing that? No, I did it for a while, but that all you could eat shrimp weekend that they moved me to Friday. Somebody called in, so I had to work Friar, but it was, it was like so insane. I would have called in too. From the moment I got there to the moment I left, I was just throwing shrimp into the Friar and then occasionally other stuff. The thing that they, that Friar, I feel like people don't realize is like when that grease pops up because you do something just a hair too quickly, like it burns your skin. It burns through clothing. Like it hurts a lot. You just... Like when I cooked there, I just had like burns all the way up my arms. You just do all the time. Ugh. Okay, so when you did all you can eat shrimp, was there a moment where you were like, "This repetition is actually going to kill me"? Because you're smart, so I would imagine the repetition of that. Like about about thirty minutes in, I would be like, "Somebody get me the fuck out of here!" So how did you? Yeah, I hated it. I hated the fryer the most. That's why I'm talking about. It. I was just, I just would look at all the other stations I worked, and I was like. Get me back there. I'm only doing this for a little bit because this person called in. I'm going to get to go back. And it was just in my head that I you'll get to go back. So it was like, you don't live here. And I wasn't doing that great at it. So I was getting yelled at a lot. Oh. So that also added to it. It's like I was new at the, at the station. I was getting yelled at a lot. It was like the busiest time. And I was like, there's no way that they're going to keep me here. And they didn't. And so that was cool. Yeah, it's probably because you were just using your forearm to just chuck yeah. shrimp in. <laughs> they were Throw like, shrimp into a you're, hot oil. You're clotheslining shrimp into oil. That's mm. yep. Uh, okay, just stink too. You just stink oh, you do. When you come home when you're in the fryer. Yeah. You can't. You can't really anywhere in the kitchen, but specifically the fryer. You can't get that smell out of your nose or your hair. My mom. My mom used to make me change in the garage. I believe that. I totally and then believe put my that. clothes in the wash. She'd be like, "All right." Because I would get off late and my mom was a nurse, so she was already in bed. And she would be like, if you're coming home from work and you smell like fish, if you change in the garage, if I already put soap in the wash machine. Like she made it so easy. She was like, it's already in there. You don't have to do anything. Just put the clothes in there and press start. That's it. all you have to do. Like I'm not going to, I'll make this as easy as possible. I'll throw them in the dryer in the morning when I go to work. But the house doesn't get to smell like that. Good for her. Oof. So you lasted at, uh, I mean, you moved around a lot. So you lasted there for how many, how long? Because I know you said it was like a couple. I worked at Red Lobster. This was the the switch in my culinary life. So I worked at Red Lobster from 16 to 18, decided I was going to go to culinary school. I started culinary school one month after I graduated high school. Wow. So I moved across Phoenix. I moved to Scottsdale, Arizona, which is where the Scottsdale Culinary Institute is. Transferred to that Red Lobster, uh, cooked in that shitty kitchen. The Scottsdale Red Lobster, you guys, sucks. Um, that kitchen sucked so bad. I was like, I don't want to be a chef anymore. <laughs> <laughs> want to give up my dream? And I was like, I don't want to be a chef anymore. I quit that job in one week. <laughs> From the transfer, worked there for two years, quit one weekend. Uh, and then I switched my degree at the culinary school from um, from going to the chef program, I'm going to the hospitality and restaurant management program, which they had just introduced. And then they just accredited a bachelor. So I decided to go do that. And then I was like, I want to work front of the house. So then I became a server at an ice cream shop. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Now, all, simultaneously going to Le Cordon Bleu whilst you were... Oh, well, simultaneously, yes. 
Yes. Now, why an ice cream I shop? Had, why not a restaurant? Because you're not going to make as much money at an ice cream shop as a server. I had no serving experience. I didn't know what I was doing. I was 18. I just needed money. I didn't. My mom was a single mom and a nurse. There was no getting my rent paid. There, was, I moved yeah. out because I, I had to move across town. So I had to, I had to kind of figure it out and be an adult right away. Wow. So I got the job at the ice cream shop, and then this is insane. This is my insane culinary story. I had no money for gas, and I had to write a paper in like my third week of school on someone I wanted to be in five years. And there's a lot of really nice hotels in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I was like, I'd love to work at one of them. So I walked to the closest one, which was the Scottsdale Marriott Suites. I went to the front desk and asked if I could interview the front desk manager for my paper. And um, she offered me a job by the end of the paper. Come and then on. I was, I worked this position that uh, was at your service host at this hotel. The at your service host was in charge of being a bellman room service server, valet, and amenity runner. Basically, anytime somebody went to the room where it didn't involve construction, I was the guy. How can one person serve an entire hotel? That's insane. <clears throat> yeah, it is. You make so much money. <laughs> I was 19 as well, and I was making, I was clearing 250 a day. Fuck off. Yeah, I was, I once wore, I once wore um, a sweatsuit to Ruth Chris when I was 18 because I wanted a steak and I had a bunch of money. I was just being a piece of shit. <laughs> huh? The chef sees you walk in and is like, for sure this dude can't afford whatever we're about to serve him. And I walked like- in. I walked in at like 7 p.m. on like a Sunday. I didn't think I needed a reservation. I didn't know reservations worked. I was a kid. <laughs> Good I look back you. at some of the things I did and I'm like, man, fuck me. <laughs> Big blacks. <laughs> okay. So you are at the Scottsdale Marriott, but you're, so you have no money for gas. So that's why you walked to the hotel. Yep. That's why I walked there. And then I started there and then I got money for gas. Okay. So did you then quit the server at the ice cream shop job? Oh yeah. I quit that ice cream shop job that weekend. You're the first person I've ever talked to that didn't lie about restaurant experience on their resume to like it. Cause the number of people I know, like I didn't lie either. I should have, cause I could have gotten to bartender faster, but everybody I know is like, Oh yeah, you just make up a restaurant. Nobody's ever heard of and you slap that in your resume and then they'll hire you. And I was like, Oh, interesting. You, so it's like OTJ training. And it was like, Oh yeah, you drop a lot of trays, but like you get there. And I was like, I, I I'm wired differently. So good job, us yeah. being honest. Yeah, and then I I got that job, and then I you know I bounced around. I went from that to the melting pot, and then I worked at the fondue you restaurant gotta, chain. The please, up. please explain to people who don't know what melting pot is. I can't, I can't imagine the hell that that was. Go ahead, please tell. The hell that the melting. I loved the melting pot. The melting pot was the best job I ever had in my whole life. Why? I don't know. I just liked it. It and this is I'm a stand up. It's it's performance. You're yeah. um you're the show. It's yeah. like Benny Hanna's. You're making the stuff at the table and everything. It's very fun. You're making people's day. It's, it's this is so dumb, but this really does mean <laughs> stuff to me. That's <laughs> like, I don't know. It it's an anniversary birthday place, so like you're always part of somebody's memories, I guess. I don't I loved it. It had a huge wine list. I um I took a lot of wines classes in hotel and restaurant management school, so I knew a lot about wine. So if you if you had to choose between comedy and like a melting pot style job that was like attached to a hotel where you were clearing all kinds of money, would you give up comedy to do that? No, I actually gave up the melting pot to do comedy. Oh, look, it says I worked at the melting that. pot that long. I worked at the melting pot forever, and then um, I moved to Minneapolis once the economy crashed in Phoenix. When was that? And I, 
was 08. Oh. It's like right after I graduated college. Yeah, I got it. Okay. So I moved to Minneapolis. I worked at that melting pot. And then I did that open mic. I brought that, that staff from that melting pot. That's and awesome. then comedy started taking off. And then I quit that and started bartending at the airport. Oh, my God. Yeah. What? That was my main. I had that job for seven years. The melting pot or, dec- or jaw at no. the airport? Airport. Oh, God. I have heard Mornings. so many. Mornings. No, Josh, no. Six to two. No, so I could do no. comedy at night. Josh, That's how much I love comedy. You're an insane person. I would, I would wake up at 4 a.m. to go to drive to the airport, to the shuttle parking, take the shuttle to airport, go through security, and then start and open the bar so it could be open by 6 a.m. Tell me how it felt to be serving these alcoholic assholes <laughs> at fucking 6 a.m. Just, just, would you pour shots that early? Would people do shots that early? Oh, yeah. People, uh, especially, I mean, this was in Minneapolis. So we're the, the closest international airport from Iowa, from Wisconsin, from North and South Dakota. So I get these people who don't even, really aren't that cool at freeways or oh. people who aren't white. Oh, my god! And they are now in the airport ripping shots at $15 a peach, with the, which they find out moments later <laughs> how expensive the airport is. They find out moments. Because these people are from small towns. An expensive beer is $4. Yeah. An airport beer is $9. Oh, my God. Or, you know, a, a bottle of Miller Lite. It's 9 bucks, bud. Wait, so would they just not tip you because they'd be pissed at the cost? No, they would, but <laughs> they were on vacation. But uh, like, okay. I would, I would have so many times. Like, I, I got lucky because I, I bounced around through the airport. Everybody who works there, it's all one company. I didn't know but that. I worked at this, like all the yeah. franchise, like restaurants and shit. That's all the same company. It's all HMS host or Airmark, whoever has the contract on it. Yeah. So the restaurants and shit are all the money's all still going HMS host. Yeah, they're all just facades. They're all just they're all just things. They're all owned and operated by the same thing. Your manager is just an area manager who works a concourse. What? Yeah, it's all just one big. It's all one big thing. So when they're charging fucking five dollars for a sprite in the in the one con- convenience store and the other one across the way is four bucks, they're just competing with themselves. Yep. That's wild. That is yeah. wild. It's it's weird, but it's a thing. Okay, so you jump around all over, but were you always bartending? Yeah, I was always bartending. What's your weird? What's the weirdest thing that happened at like six a.m. when you were at the airport? Gosh. My favorite thing that would happen all the time is someone would try to drink while taking Xanax and then uh, black out and then not be able to get on the plane on their all-inclusive trip to Mexico with their nine friends, and then they're the one who ruined the trip for everyone. How many? You you clearly saw that more than once because you just I saw it a bunch of times. What's with the booze Xanax combo? Is it just to really be out of your fucking mind? It, yeah, it's because these people are from small towns. They're not, they don't fly. They don't go to Mexico. They're just trying to figure it out. And they, you know, they're alcoholics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll do it. Wow. Yeah. People just always, you know, people fly for every reason. It's all weird. Yeah, it is. It's usually business travelers, and that's super normal. Oh, the weirdest thing. I'm trying to rack my brain now. The weirdest thing is um, the member of Air, the lead singer of Air Supply said something super messed up to me. Can you tell us what the lead singer said? He was he he was coming in, and I knew they were in a rock band. I didn't know who they quite were. Okay. And so I asked, and I was like, I was like, oh, where'd you guys play? Because I was like, let's Google that. And then he was like, oh, we were at Treasure Island. And I opened for Louis at Treasure Island. I'm like, oh, I've also played Treasure Island. And then we Did you say that? 
Yeah. Good for you, I used you, to say that Josh. all the time to people. It was fun to me. Good. Like, oh, I also played that theater. And, uh, and I go, oh, who are you? And he goes, he goes, you can look me up, but I bet your mom was on her back a lot to my voice. And I was like, ugh. Ew. Why would you say it like that? was so gross. Ew. Yeah, Ew. he said that to me. In the real human being said that to me. I, I, like, first of all, get over yourself. Second of all, ew. Third of all, the fact that he said it that quickly means that's a canned response that he has assaulted yep. other people with. May that era of rock and roll be fucking over where these just entitled I, ca- I call my mom. I go, you ever get banged out to air supply? You did not. You're she so goes, full ew. of shit. She goes, Joshua. <laughs> Why? And I go, that's what he said. And she goes, ick. Ick is right. Wait, you did you really say banged that. out to you your mom? You don't own? have to repeat that, Josh. <laughs> Josh, that's disgusting. Well, good for you. Now it's now it's forever commemorated on a podcast. God bless your mom. That gonna, happened. Um, someone threw up on my bar one time, that, and then I had to clean it up. So that was, no, that no, was no, 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 no. Why did you have to clean it? Were you the only one working? I was the only one working. I could have <sighs> went and got like airport cleanup people. Yeah, but it would have taken so long. And he threw up in the middle of the bar. So you would have lost like, money. Well, have to get cleaned up right now, not in 35 minutes. So I'm not going to sit and look at puke. But did you overserve him? Clean him? Or was it your fault? What? Did you overserve no, him? No, I only served him one drink, but he had been drinking up and down the concourse. <sighs> that's how they, that's the thing. That's the way you can get away with being overserved. Bar hopping, Bar yeah. hopping is a way to do it at the, at the airport. So you get, he get, by the time he gets to you, he does one more drink and doesn't immediately come out. Yeah. He just threw up on the bar and yeah. I was like, oh. I went, oh, and then I made him clean some of it up, but I had to clean a lot of it up. I go, ew, and I threw a towel at him. I go, you have to clean that up. Did you really? That's so awesome. <laughs> but he's fucked up, so it was probably just yeah, spreading chunks do? all over. Ew. You know, you know, when you bartend, like you can get away with things with people. Too many like, things. Like saying things to people who say screwed up things. You're like, no, I could get away with telling this guy to go to hell. <laughs> it's that line. There's a real yeah. dance. I've crossed that yeah. line several times, but when you don't cross it, it's real fun. Uh, we all do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So to disinfect, because at least, I mean, that was that was Arizona or Minneapolis that you were at the airport? Minneapolis. So like the rules are probably a little different there. But in California. Because the it's the airport. So it's like heightened cleanliness and stuff like that. So then did you get the, the powder that absorbs it and is allegedly a disinfector, but it's really not? No, I just went and grabbed super big spray bottle chemicals that were in the dish area and just sprayed the bar down with all of them and wiped it with a towel. You gave everybody brain damage because you're like, this combination feels right. Pew, 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 pew. And then the, the bar Felt just melts. Me. <laughs> okay. Uh, when you were there, was there ever a moment where you were like, that's a federal agent and he's about to do something? Or like, could you like oh, peg yeah. people? Yeah, tell me. Yeah. Yeah, I got to watch a guy get beat up for jerking off. Um Josh, I need you to pause. He was jerking off at the gate. You need to pause for that sentence to be absorbed by the audience because that's the first time that sentence probably has ever been said in in the world. Okay, so 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 this gentleman was self-flagellating at the gate. Tell at me at the gate. Tell me. Tell at the gate, and then he got beat up by security, and then he kept being like, "I'll stop. I'll stop." <laughs> You could tell he wasn't well. He wasn't I mean, well or from this country. He was a little aww, bit of both. Aww, he was yeah. like like Middle Eastern-ish or Greek or something like that. Why the escalation like, to beating him up? Couldn't he just take his hand off his penis? Uh, they, were, they, they originally were like, you have to come with me. And then he was like, no, not going to do that. I'll just stop jacking off. And they're like, no, you have to come with us. This is against the law. And then he he was a bigger dude. He he definitely did not want to go with them. So they had to beat him up. 
not beat him up, but like they had to fight him out of his seat and then drag him down the concourse for a little bit till he started to comply because. I think he thought if he fought them off, he would just get to fly. To just fly. He might have been Russian. Now that I describe it, that's sounds like what Russian people do. <laughs> Rules don't apply to me. Like, no, I'm just going to stop. And then this is over. Yep. End of yep. issue. He was like, no, I'll be done. <laughs> I guess. Fine. You caught me. Was he doing it like yeah. under a blanket or was he just like hand down his pants going for it? He had like a, he was wearing like, I don't know, like, like oh. Middle Eastern like robes. Oh, got it. So okay. He was like, he was like tucked in, but like I was the bar across the way and I saw his dick a couple times. <laughs> it was still out when they were wrestling. You are, he did not you're put not, it away. Josh, this he is a bit. That's a bit. He, he his dick he was didn't not out. Put it away. <laughs> he was just like all stop. <laughs> he didn't even make an effort. So the unearned confidence of men in general is just that's what he could do at the gate. Wow. He you know what? Let's not kink shame. Maybe airport public getting that's his caught thing, you guys that's his that's thing just his thing 2023 be accepting <laughs> with your dick out i wow so you saw that do you have anything that that, tops that? that the xanax pass outers that was a thing Man, um i can't believe that was common like i mean yes i can believe yeah. it but like that's a while did you ever see did you was there ever a moment where you were like kind of nervous and you were like if you see something say something kind of experience there yeah, there was a kid who was wandering around that I called about, and then he had just like evaded his um, his person. Oh, he was doing. He was like being handled because he was flying by himself. He was or being something. handled, and then he uh, got away, and then he was like just rambunctious. And then I thought that was something, and I said something, and they're like, "We got it taken care of." <laughs> You're like, okay, sorry. Thought he was being trafficked, but whatever. Yeah, we were also we were also on high during the Super Bowl. We thought five people were being trafficked that they weren't. <laughs> They were just because the Super Bowl. They like sit us down before that week because the Super Bowl is in Minneapolis, and they're like, "This is the biggest event for human trafficking, and we are the fourth biggest airport in the country. So there will be so much trafficking here." And and then any time we saw somebody slightly look unhappy with someone who looked slightly <laughs> scary, we kept calling it for trafficking. <laughs> and they're we were like that person's probably being trafficked. <laughs> They're like, hey, man, you took the training too seriously. We need you guys to relax. We all took it so seriously. We <laughs> thought we were saving. We, we all were being heroes. I mean, you were. I didn't realize it was yeah. the fourth biggest airport in the country. So that just means it's, that the, the volume was just insane. It's a Delta hub. So the volume uh, is insane. Yeah, that'll do it. So it's a big layover spot. Okay. I told uh, another fun airport story. I, I asked Kyle Van Noy, who is the linebacker for the New England Patriots at the time. Okay. His team lost the Super Bowl in Minneapolis to Philadelphia. I had asked him if the team he came to the Super Bowl for won because he didn't fly home with the team. He stayed two extra days because his model wife was doing a photo shoot. So he was going to fly back with her like a good husband who's in love. And he was sitting at my bar because Minneapolis, the airport's cool. They take restaurants from the city and they put them in the airport. So every it's still HMS host, but the restaurant's the same. So I worked at an upscale steakhouse and he was in there eating and he gave me his credit card and I was like, oh, are you here for the Super Bowl? Which is what I asked everybody. And he's like, yeah. And I go, oh, did your team win? And then his head dropped into his hand and he went, no. And then the it was a U-shaped bar. The other side of the bar, four people jumped up and they're like, you had a great game. You shouldn't be mad or sad. And then I flipped his credit card over and said, Kyle Van Noy, and I'm a big football fan. And I said, oh, shit, you're Kyle Van Noy. And he goes, yes, I am. And I go, I'm sorry for our whole interaction. <laughs> and 
top to bottom. I'm just sorry. And then I'm like, I'm sorry from the moment I talked to you. And then he just laughed. He just laughed. I gave him his card back and he's like, he's like, it's cool, man. Bless him. He's like, he's like, I didn't fly home with the team. How would you know? And I said, you know what? That's a good point. You didn't fly home with the team. I shouldn't be apologizing. <laughs> you should apologize to me for not telling me then, who you were. <laughs> and then he laughed and he tipped me well. So Bless he wasn't him. That Wow. Do you have a moment at the, did you have a moment? Cause you said you ended up, was that you left the melting pot to get on with comedy. So was this in between melting pot or were you doing this simultaneously? Uh, this was between. So, so I wanted to start comedy and obviously when you start just doing open mics, I was like, I just want to hit this as hard as I can. I want to go out every night in Minneapolis, lucky enough to have two or three stages a night. You can get on two in a night if you want to every night. And I was like, I want to do this, but I can't work at the melting pot because it's a dinner only restaurant. So I'm going to go to the airport. I'm going to work mornings. I'm going to quit the melting pot. And then I'm going to work early mornings. I'm going to take a nap in the middle of the day. I'm going to go to stand up and then I'll take another nap and then I'll go to work. Oh, God. So then you went, did you eventually go back to the melting pot or was the airport job the last job you had before everything took last off? Last job right? I had before I moved to LA. Okay. So pardon me. What, so when you were working at the airport, was there ever a moment where you were like, I hate this or was it mostly because you seem to have like a pretty friendly relationship with all of your jobs. You don't seem bitter about any of the customer service stuff. So no. like I, I liked them. I liked them all. I mean, there's days though where you're just like, I hate this so much. What makes you say that? What would be a day like that? I was bad at scheduling myself. The worst day was I, I worked the New Year's Day after the New Year's Eve story I told you. No, no. I worked the next morning at 6 a.m. I performed for 3,000 people. I got multiple applause breaks. I made, uh, my uncle paid me very well. He paid me very well. And then at 6 a.m. I was back at the airport getting yelled at because someone's eggs weren't cooked right. It, 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 I've said this before and I think it can come off. It doesn't with you, but it can come off as this egotistical, like I was just on stage. How dare you? It's not that I wish people could understand. It's just, you are, it's the highest high you've ever felt in your life. And you are so in the flow and you're like this, this forever to go from that within less than 24 hours back to you pile of shit. I'm going to talk to you any old kind of way is it's just such a rapid fall off of a cliff. <laughs> it's like maybe it wouldn't hurt as much if the theater were smaller if you're, or if you bombed, but it's something yeah. about doing really well. <laughs> you're like, I don't think I can hear it about your eggs today, actually, ma'am. I'm not interested. Oh, it's brutal. My, uh, the first guests that came in that day did take a picture with me because they were at the show. No way! Yeah, yeah, they were like, they're like, oh my god, and I was like, yeah, because I had, I have bits about working at the airport. They're like, you do work here, and I'm like, I do, and I'm working right now. <sighs> and I had to have my boss take a picture, and he was like, holy shit, who are you? And I was like, I'm nobody, man. Don't worry about I'm it, man. Right now for you, <laughs> yeah, I'm your employee. <laughs> That's all I am. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm working here. Well, did that start to happen more frequently before you moved to LA that people would recognize you? Yeah, that would. And then um, what would be cool is like. I would always tell, I would always, I would always work it where I'd, I'd always go to the big clubs and try to do a guest set if a headliner I liked was in town. And then if I got, if I met them, I would tell them to come into my restaurant Aww. and, and eat. I mean, I couldn't hook them up like I hooked you up, but I would tell them to come eat and then I'd talk to them and pick their brain. Wow. I would do that a lot. I did that with a lot of people. I would have them come into the restaurant and then they'd eat and I'd pick their brain before they went back home. And so what was the moment where you were like, it's, I've got to move to a bigger market. Was it, you just kept getting recognized and you were like, I can't just stay here or what was it? No, I wish I was that big. Um, Louie was like, I don't know what you're doing here still. Wow. 
I, I had some medical issues, so I was in Minneapolis a little longer than I wanted to be. Mm. But um, after all that, and it's all good, Louis was like, you have to get out. You have to get out right now. You have wow. to go. Yeah, because then he kind of he kind of put me on a timeline. He's like, all right, you have eight months to save up money and then move to L.A. Good you for can do him. It. Yeah, because I think you can it can get really easy to get comfortable in a smaller market and just kind of stay. not that there's anything wrong with staying in the town where you learn comedy and get good at it. But yeah. I think if you I was featuring and yeah. headlining throughout the Midwest, I was making OK money. I mean, I, I probably could have done just that without the airport. And then I was like, I'm just going to kill the airport every day. I'm not touring or doing the road. And then I was just it was just my goal for that eight months. I'm like, you have to net money every day for eight months and did you it's gonna suck yeah i did and then i moved here hell yeah and you were so it was a profit every single day did you work seven days a week or would you give yourself a day to like breathe i would give myself like a day or like a day here and there but i would i would i would be doing open mics or something that day too i would just be like all right my day off is still being on stage even though i'm not making money on stage i'm getting better on stage and i just keep doing that we are psychotic it is an unwell group and that is i totally get that i get that level of dedication so was there ever a moment where with any of these jobs where you were like, I want to quit, I'm going to quit, I hate this so much, I'm done. Like I know you mentioned having bad days, but was there ever a mm-hmm. moment where you were like, get me out of here right now? Yeah, a bunch of times. <laughs> I'm trying to think of specific ones, but there was a bunch. I've probably quit all my jobs a bunch of times. I've quit BJ's a hundred times. Have you really? And they keep calling yeah, you back? Yeah, Oh, yeah. When Louie died and I was all like fucking sad and stuff, we would be out of something and I'd just like slam a plate into the ground into the kitchen. Mm. Freak out. That's grief. That's real. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Like people would call in and then I'd be like, like you kind of see, I, I think I was kind of like that when, when you came in, like we were just crazy busy and I was the only one on. You are the only one I on. walked. I, I walked out a couple of, from a couple of those jobs, like just on that shift and I come back the next day. I just be like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I just refuse to take people. <laughs> and then they let you stay. They're like, that's okay, Josh. We know you're a good bartender. Like, yeah, we, this is kind of our fault too. Well, fair enough. I mean, that's true. If you understaff a, yeah. a shift, like that is on them. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, no, we're not doing this anymore. If you see me again, I'm going home. I'm Josh has had it. You guys. And then you have nobody. <laughs> and they're like, please come back. We love you. Okay. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be, I'd logically quit a lot. I've oh, logically like, quit my job a lot of times listen, and I'd explain why it was their fault. <laughs> this is so relatable. It's so relatable. <sighs> so what would be the moment where you feel like in comedy, you could be done with customer service altogether? Do you feel like there's a moment? Yeah. $65,000 a year. Okay, so that has to be your minimum. I mean, well, shit. I, they said in LA County, anything less than seventy is poverty. Okay, yes, so. that's why it's sixty-five. Because <laughs> I can live kind of poverty. Kind of, just not full blown. I, that's that's what I learned in culinary school. I learned how to make great meals for like a nickel. Really? That's, that's awesome. My, I, not not a real nickel, but like I can make <laughs> well, I can I make really that. good food for really cheap. So I've gotten so good at that. That's awesome. Do you miss cooking? I know you cook for yourself and your girlfriend, but like, do you I, miss? Yeah, I cook for myself all the time. Um. Professionally, no. You don't. No, I don't think. No, I get too. I get too crabby being a bartender. I don't think. I. I don't think I could handle some twenty-one-year-old kid coming up to me and being like, "This said no tomatoes." I'd be like, "Go to hell." Yeah, I. I mean, I don't think. I think I could only get yelled at like four times before I'd start throwing things. Listen, I'm not a defender of Dan Cook. I used to like his comedy, but I've heard he's not a great person. But I will say his role in the movie. What I know, I've heard. I will rebuttal that right now on this podcast. Has he been Dan good? Cook's the best. Really. Okay, that's good to hear. I performed with him at the Laugh Factory when I first moved here. Yeah. Uh, cuz my uncle's cool <laughs> and he called he he set my tape to all the clubs. He was Aww. like, "I can't get you anything, but I can get you watched." 
Wow. So get a good tape. And I got a good tape. He sent it. Uh, Jay Davis from the Laugh Factory called me the moment. It was within five minutes of me pulling in to my place in L.A. And I, I did a show with him like that week. Wow. And I sat upstairs at the Laugh Factory and talked to Dane for two and a half hours about comedy. Wow. Because we were on the same show. And he couldn't have been nicer. He couldn't have been more giving with uh, advice and information. And he even did say what you just said to me. He goes, a lot of people think I'm a dick. But I love talking about comedy and I love comedy. I get that in the early 2000s, I had a little bit of an ego. He goes, but I want people to know I'm very nice. Wow. Okay. Well, that makes me feel good. I'm glad I brought him up because the reason I brought him up was from the movie Waiting when he plays that yeah. cook and he and he's like sprinkling his pubes on burgers and stuff and yeah. just being just filled with rage all the time. I'm like, yeah, I see why cooks get like that. Like, I didn't think that was hyperbolic. I was like, yeah, cooks have been that terrible to me in my life. I get it. I got it. They've never, they've never messed with, I've never worked anywhere where they mess with food, but they've messed with me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, have you ever gotten that? Like, uh, like I had a cook who thought it was really funny to put soup bowls into the oven. And I worked at a nicer restaurant. So the, the cook would serve up the soup cause they'd like garnish the soup and everything, but he put the bowl in the oven. So when I touch it with my hand, it would burn my hand very badly. That's not, that's not a funny bit. That's, that's terrible. That's not a funny bit, but it's a bit he did all the time. Would you just be pissed? So, I wouldn't laugh. I yeah, wouldn't be pissed. Yeah. Like, like you said, is there any bad times? Yeah. The one I can think of is when I was 21, <laughs> this guy, Enrique, would heat the bowls up because he thought it was funny. And we did fight one time. He wrestled and he pushed me through a prep table. Oh my God. And you the, physically fought. Yeah, and then uh, it was like wrestling. It was we were both mad, but once he put me through the table, we both started laughing. <laughs> it was like it was like, wow, did this get out of hand about <laughs> about like a dish for a customer <laughs> that none of us care about? Like the moment I fell through it, and the chef ran out to kick pull, kick pull their asses. Like we were both like, mm, this was dumb. We went too far. We we've taken it too far. Yeah. We did, and then we had to act like we weren't super mad at each other thirty seconds before that. Like it was all a game. And, and we were just roughhousing, and then we just got kind of yelled at instead of for sure fired. For sure fired. For sure. Yeah. That's insane. I don't, I don't know. Jobs I hated, I would just steal from. Okay. So I kind of made up for it. I'd never want to rage quit. I'd just be like, how can I? Like, I, I never got to the point where I was rage quitting or rage getting mad about stuff. I would be like, what can I do to make this worth it now? So I just, I just steal stuff. <laughs> Like what stuff? Because it's so relatable. From restaurants, I've taken so, so much, much food. Oh my gosh! I there was jobs I had where I'd line my apron with plastic wrap. <laughs> I remember stealing pork chops once out of the three compartment apron. I Josh. lined them with baggies and I put, and then I folded it up. Well, you didn't just. I stole coffee. You were stealing fucking meat. Jeez. I've stole. I've stolen everything. From restaurants <laughs> oh my and God. hotels and hotel. Holy shit! Did I steal from hotels? Duvet covers, sheets, Josh. bedding. Um, That's not true. Fiji water. I worked at a hotel that had Fiji. Like you know, they put Fiji water, and they're like, one of them's for you, but the other one's five dollars if you drink it. Yeah. And our housekeeping catches you. Yeah. You know that whole thing. I would steal cases of Fiji water because I was like a bellman, so my job was like to bring stuff to room. So we just had a wall of Fiji water, and I would just. Go put a case of it in my car. Wouldn't there's cameras everywhere in a hotel? Yeah, no one really cared. <laughs> They're like, this Marriott can afford it. We don't care. Do you? Marriott thing. did afford it, and I, I was balling in college. Yeah. After the poor Red Lobster times, I was stealing Fiji water. I had me and my roommate both had Marriott bedding. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> to this day, we you were, actually have Marriott bedding. <laughs> I worked at the Marriott Beverly Hills when I first moved out here. Did you get bedding? So I don't currently have Marriott bedding, <laughs> but in very recent years, I have had Marriott bedding. <laughs> you better be careful, my dude. <laughs> let's not let's not list well, any more crimes. Up is that the old GM is such a good friend of mine? He'll probably listen to this, and he'll be like, "Yeah, Josh." He'll be like, "Yeah, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to not believe Josh stole so much stuff from here." I promise you, he knew. If y'all were homies, like he managers for, know everything. For sure knew. But he you have sure to. Knew. It's kind of like how retail shops like account for a, a fair amount of theft from yeah. not even employees, but from like customers and stuff. Like, I mean, there have to be some perks for jobs where you're not getting health insurance and you're not getting the hours you need. It's like there. Like, yeah. if I'm going to take your coffee, I mean, I know it's illegal, whatever. But like, I man, steal money. Yeah. So it feels it's. I've it's, never it's great. stole money from a restaurant. Yeah, you're doing great, job. I stole everything else. Do you have silverware from restaurants? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll be totally out. My steak knives I have are from BJ's. <laughs> Where you People are from BJ's currently employed. I'm currently employed there. My steak <laughs> knives are from there. Tell your manager at BJ's to not listen to this episode. That's amazing. I'll, I'll tell him to listen. And he'll be like, you still dies from here? And I'll go, absolutely. I, I sure did. did. I sure did. I just <laughs> moved. I just moved. I told him I was taking, I was like, I'm going to have to take some things from here. And he was like, please don't. <laughs> After you happen to just quit, but come back three shifts earlier, then you're like, yeah. I also am taking these knives. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. I also took a bunch of knives. Okay. I could talk to you forever. Let me get back to the real question so people don't get mad. So how many customer service jobs have you had total? We said the airport you moved around a lot. So I'm just going to say the airport's one, BJ's airport's two. Airport's one, Melting Pot, Red Lobster, mm-hmm. uh, Marriott Scottsdale, Marriott Beverly Hills, uh, the ice cream shop, Sugar Bowl, Brief Stint at Ruth Chris. Ooh, I've heard so many bad things. Oh, it was fine. I didn't work there long enough. I worked there when the economy crashed in 08. So I got one shift a week and then I got one shift every two weeks and then I never went back. So I, great training program, food that they feed you with during the training program. That was what you <laughs> did it for. Okay. But never really made it past that. Uh, what are the other? I think that, I think that's it. Okay, I so stay in places a while. Yeah, you do. You seem loyal to the jobs you're yeah. stealing from. That's good. You're I, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'll show up every day. Yeah. And you'll quit most kick. shifts, but you're going to come back tomorrow. So it's good. I'm, I'll take shit and I'm going to leave early sometimes. <laughs> most <laughs> times. Okay. So eight jobs. Good job, you. So which was your yeah. favorite? I think you said Melting Pot already was your favorite of all of those. Melting Pot was my favorite because uh, like a lot, a lot of my lifelong friends are from there. So that's yeah, it's real. Pot. It's time of your life thing, too. Uh, yeah, I was in college and then an adult and stuff. Of, like my two best friends we met there. It's, it happens. Uh, least yeah. favorite? Least favorite would be uh, probably two of the restaurants at the airport. Okay. <laughs> so, so the airport airport was great. Some of the restaurants. I worked at some really slow restaurants like down like the crappy regional terminals. Okay. Where it was like oil workers who would call me the F word. Ooh, God. Yeah. I don't, I'm not into that. Okay. So you would, so you worked there. Uh, so those two were your least favorite. What is, mm-hmm. uh, the weirdest? Well, you've sort of already answered this, but if you can think of another story, that'd be great. What's the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst on the clock? Oh, uh, like orgy stuff. <laughs> I'm going to need like a story. orgy stuff. Probably fuck a guy's wife. <laughs> probably fuck a guy's wife would be the weirdest thing I've ever been asked. <laughs> 
orgy stuff is such a fun answer. Uh, okay, so yeah, like, I, I worked the Scottsdale Marriott Suites uh, got bought out for uh, a swingers convention, so I was propositioned like every day, all the time. I was nineteen. I was just like a nineteen-year-old boy. How many times did you say yes? Uh, none. I never had sex with a guest wow. in a room. But Whoa, uh, yeah, people stuck their hands down my pants a bunch of times. That that see, I don't know why that makes me mad and offended, but it does. W- 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 were you pissed? Yeah, yeah, I was very uncomfortable. Yeah, and how did that happen? Did they reach across the desk? Oh no, because no, you were going uh, to rooms. Yeah, I was in a room and it was a suite. I was opening a bottle of wine for. Um, this is weird because this was. Um, I told the story on a different podcast, but it was an. It it has to be an unnamed celebrity. It was an unnamed celebrity's room, and there was two girls in the room. I was already warned about it. They were trying to have sex with everybody. They ordered two bottles of wine. My manager came up to me before I delivered it and gave me a big talk about um, entrapment. He was like, hey, these ladies are trying to have sex with everybody. I don't know what the fuck's going on in this room, but it's registered to so-and-so male celebrity. There's two late. We, we assume they were uh, like ladies, ladies of, of the, the night. night. Yeah. We assume they're some sort of sex worker. And um, he's like, don't do anything because you're in a locked room with them. So it's your word against theirs if anything is to happen. I just want to let you know, don't. Because you're young, you're a young man. And, you know, this could be like this whole entrapment thing. I don't know what's going on in there. So I went in there. This was one time the girl stuck her hand down my pants. I was just like, no. And then I opened the wine and left. What later, me and another guy were talking and we're like, yeah, that room was so crazy. And he goes, what if that dude was hidden in that room? A thousand percent. That's the first thing I thought of. I was like, they were not in the room by themselves. They were in the living room and the bedroom was facing and the door was kind of shut. A thousand. It probably wasn't shut at all. He was in there and he wanted to see. Correct. That's what he was paying them for. That's why they kept ordering random stuff. And I didn't realize that until like months later. Correct. That's the first thing I thought of. I was like, well, he was for sure there. Like he had to, because yeah. there's, there's a kink thing of like, you know, yeah, seeing the it. Voyeurism type thing. Yeah. yeah. And also like, but again, I'm a, I'm a 19 year old kid. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And it's plausible deniability for him though, as well, because if he sends them out to do the advancing, then there's yeah. no, he, he gets to be like, well, it wasn't me. Woo, yeah. technicalities, baby. That would have pissed me off. I would have been really, really mad about that because your manager is sit- super. Well, and instead of giving you the speech, the manager should have been the one to do the drop off with you. He should not have sent you in there by yourself because that is your word versus theirs. Like, yeah, he had a, he had other stuff going on. He was going to come up with me, but he it was I kind of explained the position of that hotel like they were running on some sort of weird like we can give everybody four jobs for one budget. OK, mm. got it. So he was he was the front office manager. So oh. his job was to take the room service orders, watch people take room service orders, watch people check people in. And then had time to run up to me and be like, hey, this is going to be weird for you for the next little bit. I can't help you. But here's some advice. Bye. Call me when you come down. (laughs) Or when you come. Hey. There we go. Uh, That's, yeah, that's for sure entrapment and terrible. Okay, cool. Um, I am going to try and figure out who that was about. Uh, Okay. Was there ever an incident where your pissy attitude made them want to speak to the manager about you? Oh, yeah, a bunch of times. (laughs) (laughs) I was very, I'm very sarcastic. I would always say shitty things and they'd be like, go get your manager and then just go get them. (laughs) And you're like, George. I can't think of a time that I did it, but I can think of my favorite time it happened. Yes, tell me. It was at the airport. I worked with this guy named Dave Brown. He was like 65. He was like 6'7", 
thin, thin, just tall lurch man. And uh, it's the airport, so you get business people in there who are a little high on their horse, and they get a little, they get a little aggressive and mean. Yeah. And we had a forty seat bar. He got lip. This guy got lippy, and he's like, "Hey, can you hurry up?" Dave just turned around and shot back. He goes, "I got two speeds, man. If you don't like this one, you're sure shit not gonna like the next one." <laughs> the greatest comeback I've ever heard. And the guy just stopped his tracks, and he goes, "I'm leaving." Dave goes, "And get the fuck out of the seat." And then grabbed his water, threw it away, set up a new placement with silverware, and said, "We got a seat for one right here." Before the guy was even turned around. I live for Texas justice in cases of customer service. Good. Oh. See ya. I had, a, I had a lot of times where people would try to rush me at the airport and I'd be like, I'm busy. And they're like, I'm not going to stay then. And I'd just go by. Okay. So it was just a lot of like the airport people are so rushy to you that you are kind of snappy and rude because because you're not you're not going to take shit from everybody. Well, it, it was that's how I felt at the comedy club. I, I would say to people, I'd get to a place where I'd say, look around. You see these 99 other people in just this section. I'm yeah. responsible for all of them. You are looking at me pouring sweat into your beverage. This doesn't get yeah. any better than it is right now. It's wild to me when people don't understand context. And just because they're late for a flight, like that's not your business. That has nothing to do with you. There's booze on the plane. If it's an issue. Oh, so many there. people would yell. They're like, I'm going to miss my flight. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm not. I'm working. This so. is, yeah, this is not, this is not my scheduling issue. This is your scheduling yeah, issue. Like I don't know problem. what you're doing. Yeah. Have you ever told a customer off? Yeah. I've told so many customers off. With, with them actually <laughs> knowing or just like jokey? Um, I'd always do a jokey. Oh boy. I, li- I like, I like to do it so they don't know. It, it's fun to me. It's fun to me. One of my favorite things I learned to do was training. This was, I think this was the guy's thing and he taught it to me and it's my favorite tell-off thing. I'm sure there's service industry people watching. So I hope you guys like this one is when people ask what's in something, like they'll be like, oh, what's in the salad, you know, like the salad and all the ingredients are listed. You reach over their back and you go, let's read it together. And then you follow with your finger and read it. I do it to people probably once a month. Oh my God. I'll be like, what's in the Santa Fe salad? I'll go, I don't know. Let's read it together. And we'll, we'll read it. Have they asked to speak and to your manager? And then I'll just stand there smiling. <laughs> Do they tip you when you're that terrible yeah. to them? <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes people don't. like that shit. Like they push you so that you are mean to them because they're like, this is funny. Yeah. Sometimes people don't know I'm being mean to them. I think that's fair. You you have a very dry delivery. I could see that. Yeah. Okay. So let's, I, go, I go, oh, let's read together. <laughs> How? I'm moving on. How many bodily fluids have been on you whilst you were on the clock? That guy's vomit counts as one. That guy's vomit counts as one. Um, I got blood. I've gotten blood on me a handful of times. So bad. Uh, what else? Nothing else. I add this. Co- I've added this, this question because I don't think people realize how like gross working in restaurants is. I mean, they're learning it on this show. I said I worked in a hotel. I've probably touched other gross shit. For sure you did. For sure you've touched all of the things. I, I think I've touched poop before. I don't yes. remember where I touched poop, but I think I touched poop before. At the bar at the airport. Um. Okay. Yeah, probably on the chair. Yeah, on the chair. <laughs> do, you, do you tip? Yeah, I tip. How much? 
I I always tip at least twenty, even if it's the, the worst service in the world. You're still getting fifteen from me, 15, and, and I, you have to be you have to be so bad to get fifteen percent from me. You have to like tell me to go fuck myself. This is and what I'm, like, I'm only going to give fifteen percent. I we say this all the time. Like I love that for all of us who work in service or have worked in service, we're like fifteen is a fuck you, and it's like it, te- it teaches the server or the bartender nothing because they're still getting yeah. tipped. But we're like, yeah, well, that would have been twenty five or thirty, and they'll never yeah. know. Been. <laughs> like yeah. they'll never know. They got um, fifteen, like they did from the rest of their table, <laughs> from everybody else that wasn't stiffing them. Yeah. Do you, is there ever a scenario where you just wouldn't tip straight up? I've not tipped one time, but the person was like super mean to me. That sucks. I don't remember what it was. It was like it was like they were having a bad day, and I and I tried to like see through it, but like they shot back a couple more times when I asked for like water or something, and I was like, I can't. We can't do this. Yeah, we're not doing it like this. Have you ever been stiffed? Yeah, I got stiffed on my last table last night. Why? I don't know. Exactly. They stiffed me they stiffed me before though. I think they just don't tip. It's the same people. I remembered them right after they stiffed me. And I would, told me they had a great time. And I was like, it's like spitting in my face. Yeah, I would. And then I'm like, they've been in before. I remember these people. I would be so tempted not to wait on them again, but I because you can't <clears throat> do that. I'm trying to figure out a way not to. This yeah. was my last table last night, so this is what I've been doing all day today. Just trying to think of a way not to wait on them again. <laughs> okay. Have you ever been fired from a customer service job? I've never been fired from anything. I didn't think so. And then final question in this section, can you describe the worst customer you've ever had to interact with or an archetype of who the worst customer would be? Uh, the wor- worst customer acts like they know everything and everything's wrong because they they know better. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and they've been there before. And mm-hmm. then um, the worst archetype is I got a couple of them at BJ's and um, they got hooked up from other bartenders. So they expect it and they get like pretty lippy about free stuff. Go away. Go um, away forever. For sure. Going to not even consider ever giving them because no. you should never expect it. Correct. Charge double. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, now we're going to move on to the good stuff. We hope you saved room for dessert. Okay. The good stuff. The good stuff. What is the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you were working? I've gotten um, football tickets a handful of times. Woo-hoo. I worked when I worked at the Scottsdale Marriott Suites. We were bought out for spring training by ESPN and Scouts. Bought our whole hotel, so I got to go with multiple baseball scouts to games and sitting. I'm a giant baseball fan. I got to sit in the scout booth. This lady took for the Oakland A's took me out every week, and I would go watch a day game with her. She was just such a sweet older lady, and I would just watch a day game with her, and I'd watch her scout, and she'd kind of go over things with me. It was so nerdy and so fun. That is so, so, so yeah, generous. I, I and got so- to go to that. Um, also, while at the Scottsdale Suites, it was my 19th or 20th birthday, and a bunch of regulars took me out to eat to the one of the nicest steakhouses in Scottsdale. Heck yeah. And it was just so beyond. Our, our hotel was number four in Marriott property for repeat business. Holy so shit. We were, a, we were a business hotel. So Monday was the exact same people would check in. 200 out of the 280 rooms were the exact same people that were there last week. Wow. So like when I was bartending and doing room service, I got to know these people so well. How does they were that... Like, what it what was that though? I don't understand. Like from a business perspective, was this were these people that were working in offices in the city as temporarily, or what? What was that? Uh, this is the craziest thing. A lot of them work for General Dynamics, the weapons company. 
because it's based out of Scottsdale, Arizona. They are not its weapons company. So a lot of these people were in charge of making nuclear weapons and mass destruction weapons and stuff. This was the early 2000s, so the height of the Iraq War. So a lot of these people were working on crazy huge projects, probably creating everything we know about drones now and stuff like that. Wow. And so they just weren't based so, in the offices there, so they were flown in. No, they're based in their offices wherever. And then I think the Scottsdale area was like the big one. So like a lot of the team meetings and stuff, like construction was being done there. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. There's a lot of things they couldn't tell me, but there's a lot of things that they get drunk and tell me. Yeah, so. that's what happens. Yeah, okay, we'll yeah. leave it there because I don't want them coming after me. Uh, okay, what is the best tip you have ever gotten? Because I know you said you got football ticks and stuff like that, but do you remember a monetary best tip? $1,000. Fuck off. At the melting pot, yeah. For what? It was, it was um, a 50th anniversary. They rented out our private dining room. There were 60 people. It was me and another server. There's just two of us. Their autograph was 750 They threw an extra 1000 on it. Da-da-damn. That's amazing. Yeah. So $1,700, we each made nine, we each tipped out like 200. So I think we walked with seven. And then the cool thing about the Minneapolis melting pot, our owner, we had a 400 label wine list. He loved that we wanted to know about wine, like the handful of us. So he would let us buy wine at cost, at his cost. So me and that guy also split a $200 bottle of wine, which we paid 75 bucks for Holy after our shift. Holy shit. What is, yeah, those are the, the moments. Yeah, the, that's um, yeah. So that was a that was a cool one. Um, you know, the hundred dollar handshake is always super nice. Have you got you? I guess at the hotel you would have gotten that a handful of times. Yeah, yeah. I've got I got that numerous times. Was that just for bringing luggage up to a room, or was it bringing luggage up to the room, or like getting something somebody something really quick? Damn. I tip like five yeah. bucks and I think I'm fucking yeah. Scrooge yeah. McDuck or whatever. Uh, um, uh, Layla Ali hundred dollar handshaked me. Hell yeah. Layla. Muhammad. Ali, yeah. Muhammad Ali's. Yeah. Did wife. she beat the shit out of you afterwards or no? Yeah. Her and her, her and her husband, Curtis Conway, the old Chicago bears wide receiver. They came in and they were so nice to me. They're one of my favorite celebrities I've ever met. Wow. Cause I had to go to the room a million times. Is her dad still alive? Tip, Do we know that? Uh, no, he's dead. Okay. Um, wow. That's, and they tipped you every time you went up there? Every time I went up there. hundred bucks every time? No. They oh. gave me a hundred dollars that twice, but they tipped me like 20 or 10 every time I went up there for anything. Like brought towels up, got 10 bucks. My ass would have brought up every, like I would have been like, here's my personal cell phone. You call me when you need, if you want different oxygen in this room, I got you sorted. <laughs> our, our front desk manager was from Chicago. He was a Bears fan and Curtis asked for me on my day off and my boss texted me and asked me if I wanted to come in. And you did? He was like, do you, I, I had school, but I came in after. He's like, do you want to come in? Uh, Curtis Conway just called for breakfast and he asked for you. And I said, I'm at school. Holy and I was like, shit. I'm not going to leave school to bring Curtis Conway breakfast as much as I want to. Sure, but what a fun <laughs> but, sentence. <laughs> but tell him I'll be there that afternoon. And then they uh, they came in the restaurant because I was bartending that night and they ate with me. Wow. Did they tip yeah. you well at the bar? Yeah, they tip me well. Damn, you got a lot of those stories for being such a curmudgeon. I'm like, wow, these people like you a lot. It's really good. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm I'm all show. I'm <laughs> so I'm so anything you want, my pleasure. I'm such I serve at the mercy of the queen. Yeah, I get it. Yes. Okay. Yes, I'm a curmudgeon in my head. I'm saying <laughs> shitty things when I leave and I'm like, absolutely I'll bring you another ranch, no problem. <laughs> ranch. Okay. Yeah. What's the best lesson you've personally learned from working in customer service? <sighs> It's uh, to not be a curmudgeon. <laughs> it's everybody just wants what they want. Just bring them what they like. It's 
if you just do it right, it's so much easier than trying to like argue with them about stuff. That's I right. don't know. Just go with it. That's right. Just try to make it happen. Okay. Everybody's different. That's right. Everyone is different. And the final question in this section, what's one piece of advice you would ask or you would give to customers who work in customer service work? Nope. That's, let me start this over. What's one piece of advice you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? They're trying their best. Mm. Just be nice. They're trying. We're no one's. You don't matter that much. That's what it. That's what it is. That's my favorite thing. And we talked about it before. But waiting, like everybody's like, oh, you think you're that special to where I'm gonna put pubes on your food? I would go through the process of putting pubes on your food. No, I'm just gonna go get it made right and bring it out to you. You're not that special. No one's fucking with your shit. Yeah. Just send your food back if you want to. It's just gonna get made different. That's it. I don't know. Read the menu. That's what also advice they give to customers. Read the menu. Read the menu. I am yeah. so going to come in and bought and put on a wig and then just ask you what's in everything. I'm going to be relentless. Uh, you don't think I'll do that to you? I'll do that to you in a heartbeat. <laughs> I just want to experience it. Okay. Yeah, let's read that together. Great. <laughs> okay, Josh. So where can people see you? How can people get in touch with you? What's your website? What's your Instagram? Tell us how to get get eyes on you. I am Josh F. Comedy on everything. JoshFComedy.com and then Josh F. Comedy on all social media. And I see, keep everything easy. I tell everybody for branding consistency, you shouldn't have a different Twitter handle and Instagram and this, that. It keep everything the same and people think I'm crazy. I am yeah. not crazy. Josh, you and I are geniuses. That's what we've learned today. Well, folks, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Surface from Hell, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and or review the show wherever you listen. It will actually help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry like Josh. If you want to get in touch with us here at Service from Hell directly, send us your receipts to servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We actually do love hearing from you. Remember, if you can't afford a tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way thanks josh f comedy for being on this was so lovely thanks for great service thanks for the discount thanks for all the things thanks for making us laugh this was great thank you josh is a floor hog so find him Mm. on all the things thank you folks so much for listening good night Thanks, Josh. This was great. Thanks for having me. Oh, you were great. This was fun. I'm so glad. I try to make it fun because podcasts can be a slog. So thanks for doing it. (laughs) This one's fun because it was about everything I care about. (laughs) I love that. Just just food and comedy. Food and comedy, baby. Uh, that's. I'm trying to decide what to call your episode. I might just call it food and comedy. But um, yeah, I took a lot of notes. (laughs) 